is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So I'd like to speak this morning about identity theft. And you might think... You might think, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing in the church to hear about identity theft, but I hope, I hope well, the idea of the, what I'm going to say over the next quarter of an hour, 20 minutes, will give you an understanding of where I'm coming from, I hope. So, I wonder if you've ever stopped to think what God sees when he looks at you and your life. In Genesis 1.26, it says, God made, it says, let's make man in our image and in our likeness. So maybe when you look at your circumstances all your life you might think well actually I'm not a great Christian I do come to church and I get to life group occasionally I sometimes pray but I'm not very good at opening up my bible does that write you off in God's eyes well no it doesn't so maybe you sort of have a benchmark where you think you need to come up to against sort of God's understanding or expectations for your life but I believe that God has a different set of circumstances if you if you like very busy, very often we're very busy in life uh, either disqualifying ourselves from things in our walk or letting others do the same or allowing situations to derail our walk with God. And this morning what I want to try and do is understand God's perspective for us, his people. And I'm going to take my uh, reading this morning from Judges 6, 1-18. to Now, this is a very familiar passage, but a passage that I absolutely love and probably one of my greatest heroes in the Bible is Gideon, and I'm sure many of you know about the story about Gideon. But it gives me tremendous comfort and assurance when I read through what Gideon's life was all about, basically, because I can see myself very much wrapped up in that. So I'm reading from Judges 6, 1-18. to And it says, Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive... The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and they did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so impoverished, the, no, Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep him from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, 
and I am the least in my family. The Lord's answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. And Gideon replied, If now I have found favour in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Father, I pray you'll take these words this morning, Father, and apply them to situations here in this fellowship, Lord God. Father, I pray you'll cause me to bring the words, Lord, as you've put them in my heart, as it were, Lord, and they might release people today, Father, as you've done in my own life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so a very familiar story to most people. Um, but as I said before I started, Gideon and I could have been brothers, I guess, because I really sort of understand his lifestyle. I came from a very much similar background, not that I was alive in those days, you understand. But his background really was, um, he felt that he was pretty much the lowest of the low, the least of the least of the less clan in the whole of Manasseh. And I don't know about you, but I've been through times in my life where, uh, because of the situations I've been in, I felt something like that. So I want to try and tell you how I've come to overcome that this morning and, and what we can corporately do to do that. So Judges 1, 6, 6 verse 1 said, Again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. For seven years we'd find that the Israelites had been hiding in the caves, they'd been constantly invaded, and all their livestock and crops had been destroyed and eaten. And it says in verse 4, not a living thing was spared. So you imagine that. You know, you, you, year after year, you go out and you plant your crops, you're ready to harvest, and all of a sudden, this plague of locusts, camels that were too numerous to be counted, suddenly descend and, and rip up everything, and not a living thing was spared. I guess it's a bit like a Hollywood blockbuster, a cast of thousands. Camels could be no more counted than the sands on the seashore. And then it came to the stage really in verse 6 when it says, Midian was so impoverished by the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. I wonder, have you ever been in a situation like this where you've lost your hope and your enemies seem too many to count? And I'm sure we've all been through those things. The Christian walk is full of battlegrounds, I guess. Uh, and, I, and I tried to sort of look at that from a, a pictorial garden. I, I felt that Gulliver came to my mind. I knew the story of Gulliver and the Lilliputs. And... Um, when Gulliver went to sleep one night, all the little Lilliputian people, who were only about as big as my thumb, they all climbed over him and they staked him to the ground. And when he woke up the next morning, he couldn't move. So it wasn't the size of his enemy, basically, but it was the bonds that were above the bounds that they put around him that kept him from getting back up again. And I wonder if sometimes that feels like your life, or has been maybe your life, that you feel that you're actually staked to the ground and you can't move and everything around you just seems to crowd in. The key is to call out to the Lord. So often that is the case with me. And I realise that after exhausting all of my physical approaches to it, I suddenly realised, oh, why didn't I turn it over to the you first, in the first place, Lord? And only if I'd done that, then maybe I wouldn't have had to go through so much pain. Ephesians verse three, chapter 3, verse 20 says, He's able to do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine. Wonderful scripture. Measurably more than I could ask or even imagine. So we find Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press, which apparently is not a very good thing to do, really, because the wine press was a separate thing in those days. It was underground normally, and it was obviously used to tread the grapes to put them between two millstones and to, to crush the juice out of them. And to thresh wheat down there wasn't good because you needed the air to come and blow away all the chaff as you were bashing it on the stone. So why would Gideon be underground in a wine press? Because he was terribly fearful for his life, obviously. 
The wine press was secure. It was a confined space, unlike, unlike the open fields. It was safe from the enemy. Gideon was scared and in fear of his life, as were his family and his clan. His body language said defeat, basically. And that had been happening for the last seven years. And then suddenly an angel appears. And this is the great part, really, in some respects. And he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I can only imagine, if I'd been in that situation as Gideon, what I might have thought. Surely he thought, there must be someone standing behind me that this angel's talking to, or maybe the angel's visited the wrong wine press because I don't feel like a mighty warrior. So why is he saying it to me? I'm the least of the least. So in human terms, Gideon was far from being a mighty warrior, as he himself states in verse 15, my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and I am the weakest of my clan, which means basically in, in those terms he was the youngest of the family. So had God got it wrong then? Had he turned up in the wrong, had the angel turned up in the wrong wine press and spoken to the wrong guy? No, this is the difference, isn't it? It's God's perspective of Gideon that is so important for us to recognise. God saw the potential of what the man could become rather than what he was at that particular stage of his life. And that's the importance with you and I. Remember, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. And you might think again, oh gosh, when you look at me and you see all the sin in my life and the things that I don't do right, Lord, how can you possibly see Jesus when you look at my life? That's what the Bible says. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus. We're made in his image. So why is Gideon chosen, I wonder? He doesn't seem to be a particularly dynamic character from what we know about him. But that is perhaps another key to the solution here. God works in different ways than perhaps we would. And 1 Corinthians 1, 27 to 29 says this, and it's wonderful verses. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Why? So that no one may boast before him. It's nothing to do with our own strength and ability. It's all about him. Can I suggest that Gideon was also predestined, just like all of us, and God knew what he was going to use Gideon for, just like he has a plan for you and for me. But at this stage, the difference was Gideon had not received the revelation of his own potential before God. The eyes of his heart had not been open. He still saw himself as this least of the least. He hadn't seen God's perspective, yet he couldn't see what God would do for him, but if only he'd bow the knee, as it were, before God, and I'm sure God would open up his plan for him. Gideon was still living in the restriction of his own surroundings and feelings. He'd become conditioned to the lifestyle. And I guess you and I, again, after seven years of being attacked, being oppressed, being beaten, you probably would think, actually, that's all life's all about. It's being beaten and oppressed. And maybe you would have lost your hope at that stage. So it's robbery versus identity theft this morning. So robbery, I don't know if anybody here has been Unfortunately, had robbery in the house, never have. Um, we had a small robbery when we lived in London, I suppose, but the person didn't take very much. But when you see these things on television, a robber that comes into your house, trashes the place looking for the jewellery or the, the credit cards or whatever, and leaves the place in the right mess. So you can tell when you've been robbed. It's a very sort of a upfront and, uh, and vicious thing. But identity theft is something different. It's much more subtle, isn't it? And identity theft seems to be the thing that's happening at the moment. Rather than you know, people breaking into your house now, they steal your identity. They'll steal your credit card details or they'll take a bill out of the dustbin that you haven't shredded. And suddenly, there's two of you in the world. Now, how spooky would that be? Two of some of the people in this room in the world. That's not a good thing to think about. 
But that's what happens, isn't it? And all of a sudden, your identity is used to open bank accounts, to, to get credit cards, etc., etc. Not very nice, but it's a very subtle thing, isn't it? Do you know what God has purposed for your life this morning? Well, I would say discount nothing and have great expectations for him to use you in the most exciting ways possible. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Then we see some other key moments in this story, which I think it's worth just pulling out a couple of examples from. And maybe they they apply to our life as well, if we allow them to. First of all, God's commissioning of Gideon and his impartation of authority upon him. It says in verse 14, am I not sending you? So if God sends you, you know you're in a pretty good company, don't you? If you're not sure, basically, then we will seek some advice. But, but God's commissioning of Gideon and his impartation of his authority was very clear to Gideon. And God, re, re, again, reminded him, am I not sending you, in verse 14. Then we see God's covenant, love and friendship. It says in verse 16, I will be with you and you and I will strike down the Midianites together. Again, this morning, I wonder if you know God's covenant, love and friendship. It's certainly there to be had if you push in to God's life. Then we see God's gift of his Holy Spirit, so often a breakthrough in many situations. It says in verse 34, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet. And that was the signal that he was going to take the enemy. He was going to rout the enemy, basically, with God's help. He'd been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And again, so often, you know, we need the empower of the Holy Spirit to move forward in power. And finally, we know the story goes on into chapter 7, with Gideon choosing 3,000 men to fight the battle against the Midianites. But because God made this statement in chapter 7, verse 2, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands in order that Israel may not boast against me or that her own strength has saved her. So then God instructed Gideon to let 2,700 of those men go home again and he was left with a fighting group of 300 men. And so Zechariah 4, verse 6 says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord that we will overcome in this Christian walk. So what can we take from this episode and the way God chooses people, develops their potential and then leads them into new adventures? Firstly, we've already said that we are chosen by him. And it says in Ephesians verse one, verse, chapter 1, verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Then in verse 5 of the same chapter, he also predestined us to be adopted as his sons. You know, it's something special to be predestined before the world was created. I hope that makes you feel special today. Before the world was created, God had chosen you. And does that not speak of God's tremendous love for us as his people? Secondly, we need to understand that he is the potter and we are the clay. He has great plans for us, but we are in the process of being changed from one degree of glory to another. And that takes time, effort and willingness on our part. I wonder this morning, are you malleable in the hands of the creator? Or have you given up allowing him to challenge you or change you because it's too painful or too costly? He is the one that moulds us. It's never the other way around. If therefore we are formed in his image, then we must accept that it is he that gives us our natural talents. But he also births in us something of the supernatural. We are hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3 verse 3. When we recognise our potential in God and understand our inheritance as children of God, we will no longer have any problems believing God for the natural, let alone the supernatural. 
But you may feel like Gideon today, you've been, you've been told or brought up to believe that you are the least of the least. And the thrust of this message is that ordinary people and ordinary means are used to accomplish extraordinary things. God is the master at using the unlikely. He is the expert at turning the ordinary into the extraordinary. We see his power manifested in the lives of people who on the outside may not look that impressive, but on the inside have submitted their lives, thoughts and intentions completely to God. Remember when Jesus got hold of the disciples, they turned the whole Roman world upside down in 30 years. If you feel today that in the main you have nothing to offer, then you're just the type of person God loves to work with and through. God doesn't use those who think they've already arrived, or those who think they know the answers, or those who think they can do everything in their own strength, because they're always too busy listening to themselves to even hear what God has to say to them. Do you feel ordinary today? Are you tempted to say, but God, you can't be talking to me. What can I offer? I don't know enough. I don't have enough to offer. I'm not the right age. Or will you take a step of faith and put your life in the hands of the master potter? I wonder if we can close our eyes and just bow our heads for a minute. Just felt I wanted to pray for three specific groups of people here today. Firstly, those that have allowed the enemy or the circumstances in life to temporarily rob you of your inheritance in Christ. Remember, it's impossible to lose this inheritance, but it's almost like someone has switched the light out temporarily. You maybe used to have real enthusiasm and purpose, but recent events have crowded you out. Secondly, I believe there are some who have had their identity in Christ stolen. There have been destructive words spoken over your lives that have held you captive, some of you, for many years. It's time this morning to break that yoke. It's time to make a stand. It's time to take back the ground the enemy has stolen. It's time to stand and be counted for God again. And as I go through my Christian walk now, I get increasingly indignant at the work of the enemy that I see around me. And maybe it's my age, maybe I'm getting a grumpy old man, but, but I, I do think that sometimes the church is very passive in its approach to winning back the ground that the enemy can steal away from us. And this morning, this is not a passive response to this word I'm bringing, I hope. This is something that says, yeah, that is me, Lord God. I have lost that ground. I've allowed the enemy to sweep in. I've allowed my identity to be stolen by the enemy in a very subtle way. I used to be on fire for you, God, but at the moment, that fire is just an ember. And I believe God wants to breathe and blow upon that ember this morning and fan it back into life again. And then lastly, I want to pray for young men and women here today who desire to move on with God in a new and vibrant way. It's almost like you've become unsatisfied with your walk with God and you desire more. And I had this picture about three or four weeks ago of men in this church. And it wasn't necessarily young men, but it was all men. And I was just looking up at this hill and it was completely um, empty at the top. And then all of a sudden I saw one or two people appear on the top of the hill. And it was just a bit like a, an old cowboy film, really, where suddenly the Indians appear at the top of the hill and the cowboys think, oh, we've, got, you know, we've, we've had it now. But it's almost like the men of this church were being raised up 
to fight for this church and to fight for their families. And so if that's you today, I'd love to pray for you. And, and when I say young men and young women in this church, um, I was thinking that just this week how much I miss, miss Dash, who's gone to Zimbabwe, and, and what Dash used to bring to the church. And Dash used to step out in ways that I really appreciated. And sometimes he'd bring something from the back, and sometimes he'd sing out a prophecy. Sometimes he'd bring a prophecy. Sometimes he'd bring a prophecy to us as the elders and say, this is what I believe God's saying to me. Now, we need dashes in this church. We need people that are going to stand up and say, yeah, that's what I believe God's calling me to. I'm going to come and serve this church in a different way. I want God to use me prophetically or in scripture or as an encourager or whatever. But there is a vast amount of space in this church for people to get involved. And I hope we are a church that embraces that, that allows people to have space to bring their own giftings. But I'm looking for other dashes in this church. And I know Graham and Matt were looking for other dashes in this church. We need people to stand up and be counted and to step out and say, yeah, I could really move on in that area. I want to do the sort of things that I see in the Bible. So let me just remind you of those three things again. Firstly, groups of people that have allowed the enemy's circumstances in life to temporarily rob them of your inheritance. Secondly, people who have had their identity in Christ stolen. It's been very subtle. It's been a very, you know, it hasn't been an, an amazing robbery of your life, but little by little, a drip drip effect, you suddenly realise you're miles off the pace now. And you realise that actually the enemy set up a bit of a stronghold in your life. And what that stronghold might be might be different people to different things for different people in this room. And thirdly, I just want to pray for young men and young women. You know, the church is yours in the future. It's not for people like me of my age. It's for young people coming through and picking up the mantle of authority and responsibility. And there are men and women in this church today who God wants to lay a mantle of authority upon, I believe. And a bit like we were praying for the city. If people like you, young men and women, don't get out of your seats and agree to take this city by storm for God again, who's going to do it? Who is going to do it? So I just want those three different words just to rest with you for a second. And I don't want people to get up and come for prayer if you don't feel that's right. But I do want this church to pick up the, the, the ground that we maybe have lost and maybe we've become very passive as a church. We say, oh, that was an okay meeting, that was okay songs, the preach wasn't bad today, etc., etc. The life group's not bad sometimes, some weeks I don't go, whatever. But actually, it's about a battle. We are in a battle, both individually and corporately. And it's time, actually, for us to put on the full armour of God and to stand in that day. And I wonder who's with me in that one, who's with Matt, Graham and I and the life group leaders in that. I had a great conversation at the end of last week with a couple in the church who said, we really want to become members of this church. We love what we see. I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. And they're the sort of people that I can just spend my life with, really. As I'm in this church and I love this church, people that say we're sold on the vision of this church, we just want to get stuck in. Oh, we love that. That's just our heart, really. And we want more people to come and say that. I wonder where's your heart, where's your emphasis this morning? So, Wes, I wonder if you can come up with the, with the bands. I want to sing a song. Um, and then I'm going to just come up one more time and just quick, quickly read through those three approaches. And maybe, you know, you've 
thought about Gideon today and you thought, well, what is my potential? Your potential is as big as you want it to be with God this morning. And you might think, like I thought, I'm the least of the least. And I I used to have a terrible self-esteem problem and I used to have a terrible fear of man. And it got to the stage where, in my work situation, I couldn't approach anybody in authority. And it was absolutely stifling my career. And I realised that. And I thought, well, well, this is crazy. Why can't I approach people in authority? And I got prayer for it. And it wasn't an immediate transformation in my life. It was a gradual thing. But I look back on those days and I think, yeah, I was, I was enclosed. I was desperate for a breakthrough. And praise God, a, a lovely guy that, I, that was in a church that I came from came up and said, you know, I've been through that. I can pray for you. I, I've seen victory in that area. So if you are sitting here this morning and you've got a self-esteem problem or you fear man in whatever thing, it might be in the school you work in or in the house or the university you go to, if you just, every time someone approaches you in authority, you think, oh gosh, I've got nothing to say. I've got nothing to add. I've got no use for this person. Then I'd love to pray for you. I've seen the breakthrough in this area and it's the most releasing thing not to have this fear of man or this self-esteem problem dragging you back into the pit every so often. So we're going to sing a song. Uh, If you know that any of those words are for you, then just please, I'd appreciate if you come up to the front. We're going to get some people to pray for you. If you're not sure, if you just want to work that through while we sing the song, then great. I'm not going to have a long, drawn-out altar call this morning. You either know if that's for you or not. Uh, I'm not going to pressure anybody. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.